uh, the book of Acts chapter 2. I believe the words will be on the screen behind me. So I'm going to go from verse 37 down to 47. And this is the word of the Lord. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all those who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Y'all can have a seat. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Great to be here. I don't know if you remember the first time you went back to the home that you grew up in. You spent years there. There's memories there. I had a really odd moment this morning coming back into Factory Theatre. I can't tell you how many times I've experienced God in this space, and I'm believing and trusting that we're going to believe to happen again. Can we shut off the smoke machine for a little bit? Is that the norm? It's off. It's just still going. I just want to see who's in the room here. <laughs> this is great. I see we made it through the tunnel. That's great. This morning, I have a word for all of us, all three of our churches, called Power and Practices. Um, I believe this is going to be a profound word. Everyone here this morning, I want to encourage and build up. I want to start just with a little bit of testimony. Last week at Anchor Northern Beaches, we had a Nigerian missionary come visit us. Uh, it was originally going to be uh, just a bit of time in the GCs, training our prayer ministry, and it turned into a really profound moment where the Spirit poured out on our church. Uh, Dave Sylvester was his name. He popped up on Sunday morning. I only met him a few days earlier, and I was still discerning. I was like, oh man, how much time and space should we give him on Sunday? But I just had a, a deep sense that this was from God, and he was going to bless us. Um, I just want to tell you a couple of stories that came out of Sunday. Um, he finished preaching. He did this epic sermon on union with Christ. Uh, we sung a song, and then he just started to do ministry, and ministry in a way that I don't think is familiar in the West. Uh, for example, he walked up straight to the second row here, and I want, to, I want you to picture Anchor City Southwest, who are the alpha males in your church. Someone coming to mind? Some sensitive souls are getting hurt here. Do they think it's me? It's probably not you. But the... <laughs> Second row, I want you to picture the two alpha males in your church. You know, one guy, he looks like a six foot three, Jason Statham, bald hair, works for Amazon, he's got the house, you know, all well put together. And another six foot five guy, Dutchman, like just built like an upside down triangle, Johnny Bravo. And Dave, Dave comes up to them and just get, drops a word of knowledge. 
And then you feel the room shift, jaws go on the ground, and then he just starts to prophesy over them. And do you know what happened to these two alpha males? Wept. Just started to weep because they had an encounter with God. That's what happens when you have an encounter with Jesus. We're not just playing church here. When you have a true encounter with Jesus, these two alpha males just started weeping, broken, because they had an encounter with God. And, and so many other stories. We had um, Dave pray over us, and we had at least two people healed in the room on Sunday night, which was really profound. And some people weren't healed, but they were stirred and encouraged, and because we just saw the power of God move. And again, he just had word of knowledge and prophesy over us. Anyway, countless stories I could say, run into someone at Anchor Northern Beaches and say, tell me about last weekend, because it sounds like you had a really powerful week. And the biggest thing that I walked away with is it is so easy to do church in the West without the power of God. It's so easy. It's so easy. We can do, get a good public speaker, you know what I mean? Get a good worship band, have good socials, have good website, and there's no power, no encounter. Uh, there's, this, there's this group in America called the Barna Group. They're a Christian group that just do um, surveys. And they did a survey of the millions of people that are walking away from their faith. And the top two things that they surveyed that why people are walking away from their faith, number one, which is predictable, is the hypocrisy that they see in Christians and its leaders. No surprises there. Some of you guys might be tasting that. But number two was really surprising for me. Number two was that they didn't see Jesus as compelling. They didn't see the way of Christianity, the way of Jesus, how they do life as compelling. If we're not careful, do you know what we'll be remembered as? We'll be remembered as the generation that made Jesus boring. We'll be remembered as the generation that made church boring. And this is, this is the greatest news. This is, in, this is something that's explosive and powerful. And we need to desperately recover what the church is about. We need to desperately recover what the church is to be about. And I think in Acts 2, we're going to see a blueprint of how to move forward. And again, I want to talk about these two ideas, power and practices. So let me talk about power. Let me talk about power. I'm going to read Acts 2, just verses, Acts 2, 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house that they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So we've got to catch what's happened here. Jesus has risen from the dead. You know, the disciples are rattled, but they're excited. And Jesus is going to be like, no, 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 hold up. You guys need something to do this mission. I like your eagerness, but you're going to need the Holy Spirit to come for you to do kingdom mission. He says it in Acts 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You're going to need some power to accomplish the mission that I have for you. So go, I want you to pray, and I want you to wait, and this is a profound moment in the church. 
it arrives. What God is doing in this moment is this shift from an external reality of the power of God. And we see that in the Old Testament, external reality. It's in a burning bush. It's this flame guiding God's people in the wilderness. It's a fire on top of a mountain. And here we have this internal reality of the power of God. It's not out there. It's in here. And this fire that falls from heaven in Exodus ends up being the fire that's in their very spirits and equips them for ministry. And this is what Jesus is doing. I'm going to put my spirit in you to cause you to walk in my commandments, to keep them, and I'm going to cleanse you, and I'm going to make you clean, and I'm going to write my law on your heart. And this isn't something you have to live up to. It's not try harder, do better. It's going to be my strength and my power in you to live the Christian life and do his mission. This is a really profound theological idea, moving from the omnipresence of God to the manifest presence of God. And this is the moment. It's happening. We've just witnessed this in Acts 2. The omnipresence of God, you guys might, might, have, might have felt it. It's everywhere. You know, Psalm 139.7 says, Where can I flee from your presence? It's biblical. It's real. It's true to God's nature. God is everywhere. It's theological. It's available to, it's available to everybody. But it's universal. It's passive. It's impersonal. And it's abstract. And you guys know the difference about just the idea of something versus experiencing in the room. You know, the idea, I can tell you that a fire is warm and it brings comfort. There's a time, and I was doing this last night, when you're just around a fire pit and you can feel the warmth hit your fingers. It's a visceral feeling. This is the shift that's happening in the church. This is the birth of something, the manifest presence of God. It's true to God's nature. And now God is not experienced out there on a mountaintop, but he's now experienced locally. It's not general, it's personal. And it requires a pursuit, a hunger, a posture. And it's deeply, deeply relational. And this is one idea I just want to pull out in Acts 2 here. It doesn't happen in a place, it happens in the people. So it's not happening on a mountaintop. It's not happening out the front of God's people in Exodus. It's happening in the people. In the people. This is so important because this shift in the birth of the church when God initiates this new covenant. This didn't happen in the temple. This didn't happen on a mountaintop. It happened in the people, in the hearts of the people. Which means when you show up this morning, right now, when you show up with God's people and you have the Spirit, and you believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and other people have the Spirit, you can find the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, as His people are gathered this morning. It's personal. It's manifest. And so that, that means, you know what this means is so important? We don't need a priest or specific leaders or a sacrificial system to access the presence of God. It's done. Jesus says, it is finished. I've made a way. It can happen right here and it can happen right now. We can experience the presence of God. He's available. And all we need is a posture and a hunger to receive it. He's available and we need a posture and a hunger to receive it. And this is the good news of Acts chapter 2. This isn't a distant fire. It becomes a personal fire. Acts 3, the burning, sorry, Exodus 3, the burning bush, 
appears to, appears to Moses. Exodus 13, the pillar of fire leading them in the wilderness. Exodus 24, the fire up on the mountain as Moses is up there. You know, 40 days and 40 nights. It's this idea that in the Old Testament, fire represented the presence of God. And now in the New Testament, everyone gets a flame. It's present and it's real. And this is a conscious shift from acknowledging the theoretical, the theological of God's omnipresence, but the reality of us personally experiencing the relational, specific presence of God. And this is a sobering truth this morning, Enka. The greatest hindrance to the growth of Christianity in today's world is the absence of God's presence in the church. Imagine, imagine, don't work too hard, Imagine showing up to church and you didn't meet God. Imagine showing up to church and you didn't have an encounter with God. Isn't that the very thing we're trying to do? <laughs> Amen. This is the very thing we're trying to do when we meet. We want to have an encounter with the risen Lord Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit. If we're not presence people, we are not God's people. If we're not presence people, hungry for God's presence... We are not God's people. And this is what we see in Acts chapter 2. Ultimately, that encounter that's available to us doesn't just have a resting, a relational thing for us, but it actually leads to empowerment for God's mission. Read here, Acts 2. I'm going to read 14 to 21. Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people aren't drunk. You know, so these people, the Spirit, they're acting up, but they think they're drunk, the witnesses, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Big day. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. They will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone, listen, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we've got to capture this moment. We come down to the end there. Verse 41, chapter 2. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Those of you who might not be familiar with the Bible, Peter. What's just happened to Peter just moments ago? Jesus is being, um, is being just put sentenced to death and teenage girls turn to Peter and say, aren't you one of his followers? And Peter just in fear goes, no, no, no. And we turn over just a few pages and Peter is standing up in front of all the Jewish leaders that just murdered Jesus and he is preaching. He is preaching with boldness and 3,000 people get saved. Do you know what happened to Peter? He didn't get a pep talk. He didn't wake up that morning, have an ice bath, have a green smoothie and go, all right, today's the day. I'm feeling it. I'm going to get up and preach and people are going to get saved. Do you know what changed with Peter? He had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. That's all that changed with him. Peter the coward, a few moments ago, is now changed because he has had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Teenage fishermen, 
I want you to know this. When you read the Gospels, teenage fishermen became apostolic fathers to the ends of the earth because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the mission of God. We need power. We need it. I want to say to you, I don't know what stage you're at spiritually. Wherever you are at in your life, your spiritual journey right now, you need fresh power from God. You need fresh power from God and you need fresh power to do his mission in this moment. I don't care how godly you are. I don't care how much you've walked in the gifts of the spirit in the past. We as a church need power for this cultural moment we're in. We need power. Because of Pentecost, you can encounter God anywhere. One of the main reflections I had with my Nigerian missionary friend Dave coming, as we saw wonders and signs and people getting wrecked and people turning back in repentance and refreshed in their faith, the two main reflections I sensed in our church is, my firstly for me is surprise and shock. And you see in Acts 3, as we turn over, Peter heals uh, a beggar near the temple and the beggar runs and tells everyone that he's healed and then all the Jewish leaders are shocked. And Peter says to them, why are you so surprised? Why are you so surprised? This is the Jesus. This is what the Jesus that you just crucified was doing. And do you know what I realized in our church? When we actually see the power of God, we have an encounter moment. We are surprised because there's no power and encounter moments. We are not hungry enough for this. And secondly, and my main reflection from last weekend is, like I said at the start, it's so easy to do church without the power of God. It's so easy. And I was just drawn to 1 Corinthians 4.20 that says the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, it's a matter of power. This is for a preacher. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, it's a matter of power. And so often I get in, fall in the trap of, I want to I make you intellectually ascend to God. I want to convince you. And there's a place for apologetics and they you know, lower barriers, but it's not a matter of talk. People need an encounter and a power moment. And I want to say to you this morning, you need fresh power. You need fresh wind. What got you here isn't going to bring you into the future God has for you. We need another Pentecost. We need fresh fire to come through the roof. We need a power outside of ourselves. We need a new river of language. And man, 1 Corinthians 2.12, do you know what we need power for? First and foremost, we need power to comprehend that God loves us. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says that we need the power of God to comprehend the free gift that he's given us. I was praying this morning for you that you come in with shame and condemnation. Don't try and fix yourself and realign your values internally, or you need to fix up a lifestyle, you need the power of God. You need the Holy Spirit for your eyes to be open to see that there's a God that loves you. We need fresh power. And part two, I don't want to finish there. Acts 2 has this blueprint for us. We need to talk about practices. Acts 2, there's power. But do you know what happens at the end of Acts 2? They get all this power, all this anointing. 3,000 people are saved. They're seeing healings happen. End of Acts 2, there's these tangible practices that the believers are doing. And Alnaldo read it for us, but I want to read it again. Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. This is what we do after an encounter moment. Devote yourselves to the apostles' teaching, to Scripture, God's primary revelation, and to fellowship 
breaking of bread in each other's homes and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. Catch this. There's generosity because of power. The practice of they sold everything and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet. There's a repetition to doing faith. There's a repetition. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily. This is so fascinating for me. Wind, fire, 3,000 people saved and straight into discipleship and practices. They need and we need a container to sustain this power. All this fire and wind had to be turned into teaching and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer and generosity and miracles in a local context. So the idea of power could be translated into a community that could handle the power. This is important for us to know because I think in the Pentecostal movement has often been power tools for toddlers. You know, I've got a three-year-old daughter. Imagine giving her a power tool. I'm like, whoa, and it'd be chaos. This is always a dangerous thing that happens when you've got more anointing than you have character. And a disaster is very, very close if we have more anointing than character. You've got to have the kind of discipleship that can handle the power of God. And ultimately, Anchor Church, ultimately, our call is to make disciples. We're going to be evaluated by one thing. It's our disciples. And we need to hunger and long for spiritual experiences. I love them. We're commanded to, in 1 Corinthians 14, to pursue them. And they're sacred. And we need them for the mission of God. But if those experiences don't translate into maturity and health and discipleship, they're going to fumble and be fall to the ground. Our church is only good as our disciples. It does not matter how good your praise and preaching and programs or property is. You need to move people from passive, needy consumers in the direction of love and obedience. And this is fascinating for me because, man, in the West, we have so much content. So much content and so little transformation. Because this is what we see here, these practices we see in the early church, teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, generosity, prayer, their lifestyle can sustain the power of God without it blowing up. And so part of the weakness of the charismatic church, which anchor is, amen, gives the spirit available for the building up of the church today. The weakness of our types of churches is it can stoke glory and gifts, but no character. And so Acts 2 is showing us that we need fellowship. We need to learn to love one another. And we are so divided, maybe potentially more divided than ever. We need practices to love each other. We need practices of hospitality and breaking bread in the home, putting aside cynicism and hostility. We need to learn to love one another like Jesus said. And we need to prayer to turn these encounter moments into a lifestyle. Seeking God where there's devotion. Here's the key. Power has to flow into practices. Power has to flow into practices. Encounter needs to move to discipleship. And Monday morning after Dave, it was literally eight hours of phone calls and text messages. People were rattled, didn't know what to do. Can you come over? Can you pray with me? And I, I, I called all the GC leaders, our gospel communities. Do you know what people need as a response to those moments? Discipleships. I was like, do you know what you should do this week? 
Same as always, open your Bible, get in community, and pray. We don't, there's, no, there's no broken formula. I was saying, get to GC this week. Open the Bible. The Bible's so clear about how to minister and how the gifts of the Spirit should be working. Get into the Word. Get face-to-face with Jesus. Power has to flow into practices. And I want to actually challenge both sides here because I think so many people of us that got, and including last week, you get deliverance, breakthrough, transformation, and if you don't have practices, no community, no word, no prayer, man, there's just there's a spiritual laziness to that. And you, you got another dose of the, the Holy Ghost that would fix everything. I was speaking to Dave and he said, one of my most discouraging things is when I come back to a church a year later and the people that have been ministered to have done nothing with it. They're just waiting for another word, another encounter moment. Lord knows I've done this. Imagine, you know, someone, you know, they're feeling overweight. They go for prayer ministry. It's like, Lord, can you shed 40 kilograms from me? 6% body fat. I need it in a moment. We need to move away from this idea of the spiritual zap. And Lord, and in God's kindness, sometimes he can just answer like this, but he is wanting to produce a mature people. And he's not just going to zap the weight off. He wants to give us a vision of what health looks like. Same with finances. You know, we, we just, Lord, we need a blessing. But if we don't fix our practices and our rhythms, our disciplines of finances, we'll fall into debt again. We need to move away from the spiritual zap idea of God. And God, he's kind. He can. And he has done it. You guys have testimony of that. He's just showed up when you didn't deserve it, you didn't need it. But over time, he actually wants to develop and mature people. Um, Scripture speaks into this, this idea of we have to train ourselves in godliness. 1 Timothy 4, 4, 7 to 8, have nothing to do with godless myths, myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Practices, discipleship for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Man, you guys, some of you got a killer gym routine. You, you never take a day off. There's some value to that. But what would it look like to train yourself for godliness and practices? And then you got on the other extreme, on the other extreme and maybe some of you are feeling this as well. You haven't had an encounter moment, a moment, one of those, you know, putting a stone in the ground. This is when I experience God moments. You don't need another discipline, you need another encounter. Some of us don't need another discipline, we need an encounter moment. And so we need the balance of these things to be true apprentices of Jesus and to be a true New Testament movement. Now, I want to say this very carefully. I've got no authority in the broader church. Um, And Tim Keller's life, I think, actually challenged me to think about not pursuing that until I'm in my 50s, in the 20 years, but... I have some spiritual authority. I'm blessed with the spiritual authority and the responsibility over specifically Anchor Anchor Beaches and shepherding these churches. But for this movement of churches, these three small churches, I want to say this. Power, practices, they don't need to be at war with one another. They need to be integrated. What if you could take the power encounter and you could combine it with the practices you would have a potent church you would have a potent church why is it that these things tend to war with one another 
You know, you've got the discipleship practice-driven churches, like you don't need to pursue these things and experience, encounter. And everyone else is like, man, you're cold. You're cold. You've got no fire. What about putting the best of both of these worlds together? That we can have Sundays where we encounter the power of God and we move into the practices and the rhythms. You know, Paul, essentially, he's got the theology of writing the new, uh, all of the New Testament and is seemingly raising the dead. At the same time, the power and the practices. These are the kind of disciples I long to see in Anchor Church. I believe this is the future for us. We've got one slide here. With power, we see we've got encounter and passion and anointing and breakthrough and manifestations, this urgency and salvation, gifts of the Holy Spirit and practices we desperately need, formation, discipline, faithfulness, community, sustainability, commitment, health, and character. These don't need to be at war together. These need to be integrated. Do you know what happens when you put these power and practices together, I believe you get a true history-shaping community, a true New Testament movement. Now, I want to say this cautiously because I'm being recorded. Do you know how rare this is in Sydney? Do you know how rare a church like this is in Sydney? I think one of the greatest enemy strategies for dividing the church is to make these things binary. He uses division and theological debate and dominant personalities, and he does everything within his power to keep these things from coming together, because when they do, they are potent. And so, Anka, I have a question for you this morning. Do you want to be one of these communities? Do you long to be in one of the communities where you actually have an encounter with the presence of God in our Sundays, in our GCs, in our triplets, in the ordinary and everyday life? And that power flows in to practices and rhythms and spiritual rhythms of the word and fellowship and prayer and generosity. Now, just in closing, I was going to end by saying, you know, if you're in a season where, you know, you're, you've just had power, you know, Anchor Beaches last week, you need to drive towards practices and amen to that. But if you're in a season where you feel like you're in, you know, you're in a good flow, but you haven't had an encounter moment, but I think Acts 2 and the New Testament is clear that the order is important that all of us this morning, we actually need fresh power. We need an encounter moment. All of us need power. Like I said before, we just need power, starting point, to believe that there's a God out there that loves us. We need our eyes to be opened that the gospel is true and grace is real for us. And we need power to build up the church. So I'm going to invite Nicole out and we're just going to shift into some ministry time. And this morning, man, some of us, we've just been doing church. We've just been doing Judeo-Christian worldview, you know, not following Jesus of the New Testament. The worldview is just a system. It's a system. And like every system of the world, it has echoes of God's design, but I think it's watered, it's watered down. So I just want to do a few things this morning. We're going to have a response, and I'm going to guide us through there. But right now, just firstly, I want to pray I want to pray for some of you. And specifically, as I was preparing for this, my heart was burning to praying for those that are disappointed. Uh, Perhaps some of you here have prayed in the past for healing, for breakthrough, 
deliverance moment and God just didn't show up. And so you just drifted. You just drifted into a moment of just cruising and you haven't felt an encounter moment with Jesus. So I just want to pray for you initially and then we're going to move into some more ministry time. Um, We're going to do something that I know Anchor Beaches are more familiar with. Um, But man, Movement Sunday, let's go after it. Um, if, if any of you are in the room that feel like you want to specifically have prayer, if you're in a season of disappointment, I'm just going to ask you to stand. Um, I'm going to give you a moment. If you're sensing that you're in a season where I can't even comprehend the power of God and I just need to receive prayer to see God afresh this morning. So I'm going to give you a moment. If you have the courage, just to ask you to stand. If you just want to have a prayer, just for feeling like disappointment. Lord, I've had times where I've, I've prayed for healing, I've prayed for breakthrough and deliverance and you haven't shown up. I just want to pray Romans 8, 15 and 16 over you. I'll give you a moment. If you have the courage, just want to stand up and receive prayer. If you know the person that's standing, can I encourage you just to put a hand on them? I think there's something powerful about just having ministry with them. So, and those of you that are standing, and maybe, maybe those of you have felt this but haven't had the courage to stand, I want to declare this truth over you. These aren't my words. I want to declare Romans 8, 15 and 16 over you. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit Himself, the Spirit that's in all of you standing up right now, testifies with our spirit that you are children of God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to pray for those that are standing. I want to pray right now. Holy Spirit, come with power that they would have a fresh revelation, as Romans 8 says, that they are a son and daughter of yours. That would have a fresh season. I want to pray the word, just a resurrection of faith not based on their faith, but the resurrection of you, Jesus. We want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come. Holy Spirit, we pray that your voice would be louder than their inner voices. Holy Spirit, right now, can you testify in their hearts that they are a son and daughter, that you have walked with them every step, every journey. And today, right now, that they would have an encounter with you. A reminder, Holy Spirit, be loud, Holy Spirit, in their hearts right now, that they are a son and daughter. And I want to just pray a resurrection of faith in their hearts this morning. And all of God's people said, Amen, Amen.